Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we will continue our team preview series with a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Make sure you check out the Dallas Cowboys and the rest of our fantasy football team preview series. We're trying to make them as evergreen as possible, you know, get in, get out, 10, 15 minutes. So without further ado, your 2020 fantasy football Philadelphia Eagles team preview. Starts with Carson Wentz. Can he regain that MVP form we saw in 2017? I think so. I think we've put too much stock in the Dak versus Wentz, and it's clouded our judgment. And they're both top eight quarterbacks in the league, I think, guys. I mean, this isn't a situation where it needs to be one or the other. Both guys have proven to be able to function at an incredibly high level, particularly Wentz in that 2017 season. And I think if you look at what exactly went right for the Eagles offense in that year. I think it was the presence of field stretchers. And, you know, it wasn't amazing by any stretch. And they had Torrey Smith and a rookie year, Matt Collins, that was making plays. But you go to 2018, and they tried to add Mike Wallace to replace Torrey Smith. He gets hurt immediately. Matt Collins doesn't play. 2019, they add Deshaun Jackson one week, and he blows up. Then he's hurt. Hollins is off the team, you know, four weeks in. They have not had those lid lifters to help clear up the intermediate areas of the field. Because, you know, we have our Zach Urges, our Dallas Goddards, Miles Sanders of the world now who can do all sorts of things with the ball in their hand. But having that guy to force the safeties to get off the line of scrimmage or not load the box is just invaluable. And they did a really good job addressing that this offseason. You know, getting a healthier Deshaun Jackson. Unfortunately, Marquise Goodwin, that was an underrated signing just to provide depth. He's opted out, but, you know, even their rookies, just Jalen Rager, obviously, but John Hightower and Quez Watkins can fly as well. So I think now, at a minimum, Wentz is going to be able to throw to, you know, legit wide receivers throughout the season. They're not going to be having to, you know, four-speed Boston Scott and Josh Perkins with the season on the line. Nothing against those guys, but, I mean, Wentz was quietly the QB 10 last season, and he was also throwing, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Greg Ward. Uh, it's It was just a mess, and, you know, now having these higher-end options, I just think it's going to really open things up for him. And, I mean, you know, like Dak, Wentz, not only has he shown the ability to operate within the system, but when things break down, Wentz is almost at his best. I mean, multiple times a game last year, it seemed like, you know, dude, escape some pressure, get out of the pocket, make a big play. You know, again, the Dak versus Wentz debate is silly. Both guys, particularly in fantasy, are top eight quarterbacks in the league, and I think that would also apply to real life as well. Look forward to seeing Wentz, you know, really get back on track and to that, uh, you know, all-pro trajectory that we saw out of him his second season in the league. On the backfield, one of the more, uh, you know, talked about units this uh, training camp because of the injury, but Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, old friend Corey Clement is back. Eagles did not add a running back in the draft or free agency despite kind of flirting around, hearing a lot of reports, you know, with the uh, Devontae Freemans, LaShawn McCoys of the world before, you know, I, got, I know Freeman's still a free agent, but obviously Shady in Tampa Bay now. It's the Miles Sanders show. Even though he has this lower leg injury, you know, by all accounts, it's not serious day-to-day, not week-to-week. And, you know, I know it's a little tough with Doug Peterson sometimes in these committee backfields, but truly, everything we've heard from Peterson, running back coach Deuce Staley, and even just seen from the Eagles in the second half of last season points to Miles Sanders being the guy at a very, you know, high three-down uh, snap rate level this year. I understand, you know, this has been a committee system under Doug Peterson almost every step of the way, but, you know, he started to break out of that last season. The top four Doug Peterson single-game RB snap rates with the Eagles, which was 2016 to 2019, 
have all been Miles Sanders. I mean, he hit 81%, 85%, 85% again, and 87% between week 11 and 16 last year. Now, some of that, okay, was, you know, Jordan Howard being hurt, Boston Scott really not proving who he was just yet, but even then, they were comfortable enough to give him that, and then they were comfortable enough not to sign another veteran back or go out through the draft. And, you know, we've seen now, even with Sanders being hurt at the time of this recording, you know, for almost a week, they have not gone ahead and felt the need to sign someone else. So I think that, one, speaks well about the injury Sanders is dealing with and not being that severe, and two, just points to the reality that he is going to be this backfield's feature guy. I agree with the notion that Sanders might not be this, you know, top 10 real-life running back in the world. I mean, I think that guys like Josh Jacobs are just better with the ball in their hands, just more elusive. But he really does bring a lot to the table as a receiver. I think that could be the difference. Even if he's not quite as slippery with the ball in his hands as some of these other guys, I mean, you look at just who, what running backs average more yards per run than Sanders last year. It was only Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, James White, Christian McCaffrey, and Chris Thompson. I mean, only Alvin Kamara averaged more yards per target than Sanders among, among 32 qualified rookie RBs since 2000 legit efficiency numbers as a receiver you know they were using them out wide using them in the slot we talk about that every offseason hoping teams will do it more we actually have seen you know the eagles do that and you know from weeks 11 through 17 last year with jordan howard out of the picture ppr rb8 so i think uh, you know the concern over miles sanders is just not really warranted the guy is going to put up numbers as long as he can stay healthy because he is this backfield's you know, lead guy in an offense that it should be at worst above average and at best, you know, top five in the league. You can look at Sanders, you know, his pass blocking, his receiving, his aforementioned, you know, rushing. Guy can do it all. He'll be out there. Will Boston Scott, you know, can he be that kind of three down handcuff guy in the same realm as Pollard, Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison, Chase Edmonds? I don't think so. I, I really think, you know, if Sanders was truly out of the picture, we would see someone else added to this unit. But Boston Scott still provided some nice standalone value in the backstretch of last season. I think that was more due to those all the injuries they were dealing with him. I don't think they wanted to feed Boston Scott five-plus targets per game, even when Sanders was healthy. But you know what? They did. And them not adding another running back at least gives Scott, you know, the potential where if something happens to Sanders – I don't think he'd be, you know, this 80% bell cow, but he would be the lead back. And again, what figures to be a very good offense. So I am really down for Boston Scott more so in your best ball formats because, you know, when we get these backup running backs, unless they are, you know, again, your clear-cut Pollard, Murray, Madisons of the world, you got to cut them at some point. You know, th- shit happens in the season. Week four comes around. Week five, you know, you got some buys, some guys hurt, and you just got to cut that backup running back at some point. So, you know, redraft formats, yeah, maybe Boston Scott's a value late, but he might not be on your roster by week six. Best ball, that's when you can really load up on these high upside backup backs. And again, while Scott isn't in that top four group, I would put him in the top eight backup running backs fancy owners should be trying to acquire in the 2020 season. And, you know, when I'm playing best ball, doing so with the fine folks at Underdog Fantasy, you know, go ahead, head on over to Underdog, use code PFF, you'll get free entry into their million-dollar tournament. And, hey, there are worse Scots to worse backs than Boston Scott to be filling out the roster, you know, in that RB6, RB7 point. Obviously, you're not going to rely on him for week-to-week stuff. But, hey, Sanders, this injury ends up being a little more severe than we thought. All of a sudden, you're getting Boston Scott, you know, round 15 or something. You're sitting pretty in all those best balls. So that's Underdog Fantasy, code PFF. Moving on to this wide receiver group. Mentioned it before, but 
total makeover, you know, with Jalen Rager now expected to start in three wide receiver sets uh, alongside Deshaun Jackson. And that's a little bit of an, a little bit of a mystery. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey has already been banged up. We've seen him, you know, while he wasn't quite all the way washed last year, it was very close. Certainly not the same guy that, you know, was taking over games physically, you know, as recently as 2017, even parts of 2018. I, th- I think the, you know, ship has probably sailed on Jeffrey's time in Philly and maybe anywhere else just being a high-end pass option these days. We're kind of seeing later years of Des Bryant shades where, yeah, he'll still make, you know, a strong contested catch here or there, but separation ability that was never quite, you know, there to begin with. It really isn't there now, and with the injuries piling up, it just doesn't seem like the same athlete capable of taking over games. Unfortunate. I mean, some of those Bears teams in the mid-2000s with uh, Cutler slinging it to Brandon Marshall and Jeffrey were a whole lot of fun. So maybe the guy turns around, but I would not put much stock into Jeffrey doing anything in 2020, which means who else is going to emerge? Because as I mentioned before, Goodwin's gone. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside did pretty much nothing as a rookie, which you look at the history of these, uh, you know, higher drafted wide receivers that just, you know, goose egg almost as a rookie. Very, very bad news and bad signs for uh, Jaws' future. We'll see if we can overcome it. But, you know, they are bringing in these three wide receivers. I don't think it's any uh, sort of guarantee that Arthega Whiteside is going to have another chance to crack this rotation, which gives you pretty much Djax and Rager. Rager is my rookie wide receiver, too, only behind Henry Ruggs. Uh, his stats in college weren't, you know, anything all that big to uh, make your heart go crazy. But the thing is, I mean, if there was like a Curtis Samuel clone in the college ranks, just in terms of this talented wide receiver with route running goodness that just did not have a chance to succeed because of atrocious play under center, it was Jalen Rager in the NCAA football with TCU. I mean, just brutal QB play. You know, PFF has had all sort of, you know, just notes about how he had one of the lowest uh, catchable target rates in the NCAA last season. We'll see what happens. I think uh, it's a wide open offense. I'm not convinced he's just a super freak uh, player. You know, I, I would take Henry Ruggs over him, maybe even CD Lamb. But hey, Jalen Rager, opportunities there. Shallow depth chart. Would not be shocked at all if he can, you know, find his way towards the top by the end of the season. And for as cheap as he's going, definitely warrants strong fantasy consideration. As does Deshaun Jackson. I mean, this dude. Week one last year, caught eight of nine targets, 154 yards, a pair of scores, played 14 total snaps the rest of the season. Guy led the league in yards per reception in 2018. He's going to be on the field whenever he's healthy. You know, training camp reports saying he's as fast as ever. Okay, he's not as fast as he was in, you know, 2010, but it doesn't really matter. As we saw in 2018, week one, 2019, still plenty fast to run by most opposing secondaries. You know, he's pretty much discount Will Fuller at this point where when he's out there, you could win your week. Or he could bust, or he could get hurt and not play the rest of the season. But there aren't that many guys in the league where when they are out there, they can win you any given week. Deshaun Jackson remains one of those guys. Of course, this is a pretty unique situation. We, you know, I've talked about this on podcasts where just because you're your team's number two wide receiver, make sure you look at the whole passing game because just because you're number two, number three wide receiver, you could be a number four, number five pass game option. That is what we see in Philly. It's why I do have Ruggs ahead of Rager. Rager might have the easier path to be his team's number one wide receiver, but I don't think anyone's pushing Ertz out of his you know spot as Carson Wentz number one target anytime soon. I mean, he didn't replicate the historic 2018 campaign, but 135 targets last season is just bonkers from the tight end position. And even having these other wide receivers, you know, even getting Goddard more involved 
it's just tough to look at Ertz this year and project, you know, fewer than 120 targets. Now, maybe Goddard really does just start to make this a competition. I mean, after their Week 10 bye last season, Ertz only out-targeted Goddard 60-55. to 55. I mean, the ceiling here is definitely lower than it was in past years, but with that said, he, he still should be your clear-cut tight end four. I know he's been tight end three the last few years. I would put Mark Andrews ahead of him this time. Uh, Dallas Goddard, I don't think he's going to have that same standalone value with these wide receivers around, but, man... Ertz ever misses time. Goddard is going, like Trey Burton was, you know, back in the day. Goddard will be a top five tight end at the position whenever Ertz is off the field. It's it's unfortunate. You know, we have so much talent just not being used uh, in this Philly tight end room. But, you know, at some point or another, I think we would see Dallas Goddard get that full-time role, whether it's with the Eagles, you know, sooner or later, whenever. And it's going to be special to see. So Ertz, again, remains just, you know, one of very few tight ends with triple-digit targets, you know, not only within the realm of possibilities, but, you know, strongly in the realm of potential outcomes. And because of that, you're still going to be happier to have him on the fantasy squad more times than not, even if he can be a little frustrating to watch sometimes in terms of, you know, the uh, dad bod kind of catching him fall down. Not saying he's at that Jason Witten point of his career, but, you know, check out uh, Ertz Breaks, uh, Ertz Yak, that Twitter account that pretty much just points out that every single time Zach Ertz catches the ball, doesn't really break a tackle. That's okay. The guy's amazing. Not taking anything away from Zach Ertz, but it is a funny storyline to follow. And I believe, everyone, it's Zach Ertz arm sleeve left arm and Goddard right. Easily the toughest pair of teammates to uh, judge in the league when it comes to who just caught that pass and just being disappointed with your fantasy team when you find out it's not the guy you started. So with that off my chest, uh, let's move on to the ranks. At QB, I have Carson Wentz as my QB8 one spot behind Russell Wilson, one spot ahead of Drew Brees. I'm basically taking Wentz after all the true dual threat talents and then ahead of all the veteran uh, gunslingers. Again, the QB 10 last season. And, you know, unlike guys like Aaron Rodgers who were hoping to take the step forward just kind of through improvement or just because he's going to, you know, have a new mindset, the Eagles actually did go out and get Wentz a lot more offensive weapons. I think, you know, with guys like Sanders, Goddard, even being better, uh, you know, just getting better naturally as well, this Eagles passing game is going to be a force to be reckoned with in 2020. Miles Sanders, I have my RB11, one spot behind Joe Mixon, one spot ahead of Austin Eckler. My thing with Miles is I'm still just not completely convinced the early down carries are going to be there. Hey, if he gets a three down roll, I mean, I would have him as probably my RB7. But, you know, anywhere in that kind of RB7, RB12, 13 range, I get from Miles Sanders. Honestly, like there are 15 RBs that I want in the first two rounds of drafts. So I don't have to go ahead and take chances on guys like Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley. And, uh, you know, Sanders is firmly inside that top 15. In terms of Boston Scott, it's like, where do you take him? Because I'm going to take guys like Latavius Murray, Madison, Pollard, Edmonds. Those guys are all going ahead of Boston Scott because I'm way more sure of their role. Right now, I have Scott as my RB46, one spot ahead of Zach Moss, one spot behind Duke Johnson. Pretty much these backup RBs were, okay, if an injury happened, I do think they would be their team's starter, but it would not be that same, you know, bell cow workhorse role that I would expect your Pollard Murrays of the world to inherit. At wide receiver, I mean, this one's rough. It's the 
you know, like the Texans, kind of just the cheapest general wide receiver room you can find in the league. I have Rager as my wide receiver 57, one spot behind the Keel Harry, one spot ahead of Justin Jefferson. I would move him up a few marks, probably. You know, I'm going to do a rankings update here before next weekend, but, you know, he still probably should be in that 50 range, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three in redraft. It just kind of depends, like, okay, do you want Rager, whose best-case outcome is as the number two target in this Eagles passing game, or do you want C.D. Lamb, who might be a little better and his, and his likely outcome is as the number three option in a probably better, better passing game? So, good question. I think you can go ahead and target both guys. I mean, it's like we all wondered about these rookie – Typically, rookie wide receivers are so overpriced, you know, because we spend all this time talking about them. But I think, you know, with all the COVID things going on, everyone almost uh, put too much stock into the idea that rookies won't be able to contribute this year. And that's why we're not seeing really any of these rookie wide receivers cost much in fantasy drafts. So Deshaun Jackson should also, you know, be targeted. I actually have Deshaun uh, ranked higher than Rager. Deshaun, wide receiver 47, one spot ahead of Henry Ruggs, one spot behind of Sterling Shepard. Like, we just know we're getting from DJX, and it's really big, weak potential, and I want that upside. I don't care if you can give me, you know, give me the guy that has six weeks inside the top 10 and six weeks outside the top 50 over the guy that's giving you wide receiver 30 numbers every single week. I mean, it's, you know, a debate in the fantasy community where, yeah, it's not really about predicting end-of-season rankings and projections. That's not going to give you, you know, all the championships you want. I think you just want the guys that can win you weeks. Get that, get that upside. Go get it, and Deshaun Jackson can give you all the upside and more. Zach Ertz, tight end four, one spot behind Mark Andrews, one spot ahead of Evan Ingram, and Dallas Goddard is tight end 19, one spot behind Austin Ooper, one spot ahead of Jay Sternberger. Again, something happens to Ertz. I mean, Goddard is going to be a top five tight end. I find myself not drafting Ertz much this year just because tight end four through, you know, 10-11, I'm just kind of fading in general, letting someone else overdraft them. But, you know, if you have Ertz on your team, you're going to feel good about tight end. I just don't want to take him in the first six rounds when there are still, you know, baller wide receiver ones or, you know, top 25 RB still available. So moving on to the win total, we see the Eagles at 9.5. I think this is fair. The Cowboys one I thought was a little inflated and you can kind of see the Cowboys are also at 9.5, but the Cowboys they're uh, when they're betting over it will cost you minus 155 in juice for the Eagles is down to minus 125. So, you know, Cowboys slight favorite to win the division, but I am going to take the Eagles over nine and a half, and they are my favorites to win the NFC East. I think, you know, adding Javon Hargrave, getting Malik Jackson back on that defensive line, they're going to be as beastly as ever at the line of scrimmage, which has never been a problem. And then while losing, you know, Malcolm Jenkins sucks, getting Darius Slay and Nikel Roby Coleman, I mean, these are now the two best corners Philly has probably had in the last five years. And maybe I'm forgetting someone there. You're not trying to put anyone down, but truly, I mean, Darius Slay, I know, didn't grade out all that well in you know, a variety of PFF metrics last season, but I think that was more so because, you know, when you're asked to consistently travel all over the field, in the slot, out wide, with no help against the team's wide receiver one, that's going to happen. But that's what he provides, and that's what's going to help the Eagles not just completely, not get completely train wrecked by opposing wide receiver ones all season like they have in recent years. So, Defense could really see them taking a step forward. Offensive line, dealing with a few injuries, but, you know, being able to go get Peters back I think helps. I think Wentz ultimately can take this team a little bit further at this point than Dak can take the Cowboys. Again, both guys great quarterbacks, but for now, give me the Eagles to win the NFC East and give me them over nine and a half wins. So, thank you all for listening. I'm Ian Hardis. This was the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast previewing the Philadelphia Eagles. Take care, everyone.